First Timothy chapter 4, verse 15 and verse number 16. Our last uh, uh, service for uh, 2023. 20, uh, and I would love for, for, to uh, deal with these, this subject tonight to help you, to encourage you as you look into the next year. And so let's look at verse 15 and verse number uh, 16. Here Paul is writing to young Timothy and uh, trying to help him to stay on track. And uh, notice in verse number 15, he says, Meditate upon these things. Give thyself wholly to them, that thy profiting may appear to all. Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. Isn't that an interesting verse of Scripture? For he says that um, if you do certain things, you'll be able to save yourself and also those who hear you. Now, we also know that he's not referring to the salvation of a man's soul, for we know that only the Lord Jesus Christ can save our soul. Would to God that we could reach out and save those whom we care about and love. We can be an instrument, but we can't do the saving. But I want you to notice a repeated word in these two verses, and it's the word thyself. <coughs> thyself. He says in verse number 15, give thyself. Verse 16, he says, take heed, take heed unto thyself. He said, save thyself. I don't think he was encouraging him to be self-centered and to be a lover of self. But he was letting us know that if you don't take care of you in certain areas, you're not going to be able to take care of anybody else around you. And if you don't maintain your spiritual walk with God and you don't improve yourself, you're not going to be able to be profitable to those who come in contact with you. That word profit. You remember that's what Paul said about John Mark? When he said, bring John Mark with me, for now he is profitable for the ministry. So something had happened to John Mark that changed him, that made him and took him from being unproductive to being productive. And now he was profitable. Are you profitable? Are you profitable to be around? If people engage themselves and become a part of your life and you become a part of their life, or is it profitable for them to know you? And I'm not talking about money. Is it profitable for them to know you? Or do you just add to them another burden? Hmm? So here he says, I want you to be profitable. And I want it to be seeable. He said that it may appear to all. So we're not talking about something we're guessing at. We're talking about something we can actually see. How that what you're doing is, is, um, is producing something in you. It's changing you. It's making you profitable. And it's improving your life. Isn't it a blessing when somebody can say, Boy, I can sure tell you're growing in the Lord. Hmm? I can really tell you're changing. I can really tell the Lord has settled you. I can really tell that God's working in your heart and life. What an encouragement that is. No matter how old you are uh, in the Lord, it means you're advancing. 
when he says that it might be uh, profitable, he's referring to your advancement in the work of the Lord and God working in you. That word save, it means to deliver. Could God use you to deliver other people and their issues of life? I think so. It means to rescue, help recover someone. I believe you could, God could use you to do that. Paul said that he would became all things to all men that he might save some. Now we know he wasn't talking about saving their soul. I don't want to have to keep repeating that. You know that. But he is referring to the fact that you could look at somebody and say, Boy, I sure thank God for you in my life. For without you, this is where I would be. You made a difference in my life. You stepped up and helped me in a serious situation in my life. And I just believe that if we're going to be different, then uh, we're going to, uh, if we're going to make a difference, we're going to have to be different. That's what I meant to say. And that's what he means in verse number 16 now about you making a difference, making a difference. So let's talk about some things tonight. When he says meditate upon these things and give thyself wholly to them, what is he talking about? There are several things that Paul wrote and some of the other men wrote in the New Testament that said this, these things are to be your priorities. So help me tonight. And I'm going to help you, but I need you to take these notes down. I need you to do these things this year. And if you will do these things, I promise you, you will not only save yourself, but you will be profitable for the church and for the kingdom of God and for those with you. And so look in chapter number two. What I want to preach on for just a few minutes tonight is where the Bible teaches us about putting first things first. First things first. Now, Before we look at the practical things, I will have to say that according to the book of Revelation, that God would have us to have Him as our first love. Do you agree with that? I mean, He is to be our first love. And if we love Him, then uh, by George, I know it would be a lot easier for me to love you. Amen? And for you to love me. But let's look at these things, all right? Look in chapter 2, verse number 1. Just some simple things. I try to practice these things because you know what you want to do? You want to be able to look at you want to be able to look at your pastor. You want to be able to look at your Sunday school teacher. You want to be able to look at the leaders of your church and say, you know what? It's working in them. What we've been talking about and what we've been studying, what we've been reading about, it's working in their life. I can see it working in their life. That's what you want. You want people to be able to see God working in you and that it's producing some things in you. So, I mean, I have written in one of my, uh, one of my Bibles, and I, and, I, and I think, well, it's when I say one of my Bibles, they're all King James Bibles, but you know what I mean by that. You have to watch what you say these days. But it's in this one, and at pastor school, I, I told the guys, I said, you know, if it's not working in you, then don't be transporting it. Amen? I mean, if what you're teaching ain't working in your life, I mean, what's the deal? It ought to be working. It ought to be working. So, let's look in chapter 2, verse number 1. I'm going to give you four simple things that need to be in your life that are number one. See, how can it be four number ones? Well, there just is. That's all I can tell you. All right? Put them in whatever order you want, but they're all number ones. They're all up here on the same level. Okay? And by the way, if they're up on that top shelf and they're on the number one shelf, just reach up there and grab one of them. They'll be a priority. How's that? Okay. All right. Chapter 2, verse 1 has to do... First of all, with your relationship with God, and it has to do with your prayer life. 
Okay? Notice it's you talking to God. First of all, you need to talk to God. Every single day this year, 2024, you need to talk to God. That's a simple statement, isn't it? But look in chapter 2, verse 1. I exhort, therefore, that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. Now, my emphasis on this passage, every one of those words has to do with communicating. It has to do, when he talks about supplication, that's talking to God. Prayers, that's talking to God. Intercessions, that's talking to God. Giving of thanks, that's talking to God. And God wants you to talk to Him. And He wants it to be one of the first things that you do. You know what David said? He said, My voice shalt thou hear in the morning, O Lord. My voice shalt thou hear in the morning, O Lord. In the morning will I direct my prayer unto thee and will look unto thee. That is a priority. Reset that if you're not doing that. Make sure this year, determine it in your heart. Paul wrote a few times, he said, I determined. I determined. You need to determine, first of all, that you're going to talk to God every morning. And say, good morning, Lord. Not, oh Lord, it's morning. You need to talk to God. Alright? Now, that's, that's, that's you talking with God. Now look over to Ephesians with me real quick. Just going to give you four simple things here. And I'll be quick about it. I want you to look in Ephesians chapter number 6. I believe these fervently. Chapter 6 and verse number 16. I have found them to work in my life. I have found them to be true. And tested and tried in Ephesians chapter number 6. You know the passage in chapter number 6. It has to do with the armor of God. So, first of all, you talked to God. This has to do with your relationship with God. You're not going to have a good relationship with God if you don't talk to God. Now, this has to do with your relationship with the devil. And whether you want to have a relationship with him or not, he wants to have one with you. I want to have one with him, but I want to have it on my terms. And I want him to be my adversary. And he is my adversary. I don't want to be friends with him. I don't want us going in the same direction. In Ephesians 6, notice what he says after he talks about the armor of God. You'll notice in verse number 16, he says, above all. That's a priority. He talks about the helmet, the breastplate. He says, above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. This has to do with you and the devil. Because I promise you the fiery darts are going to come. The Word of God calls him in 1 Peter 5, Brother Tucker, he calls him, he says, he also is your adversary. He is not just God's adversary, he is your adversary. And you need to wake up every morning and understand that yes, you have a wonderful God and you talk to him, but also understand that you have an adversary and he is your adversary. He is walking about, he is seeking for an opportunity to devour you. 
and to hurt you and to discourage you. So we talk about the devil here. You know him, the Bible says, here he is uh, the wicked one. But he fires darts. What does that mean? I mean, how do we comp- how do we interpret that? Fiery darts. Well, I think it has to do with your thought life. I think it has to do with impressions that come upon you. Insinuations that come into your mind. Suggestions. Even blasphemous thoughts that are not yours. Sometimes they'll cross your mind and you have to acknowledge, Hey Lord, those, those aren't mine. Lord, I don't want those. I don't own those. Those aren't, that's not me, Lord. I don't want those. We can open a window in our house and a buzzard may find its way in to your house and land in your room. And you can let him stay there if you want to or you can chase him away and close the window. But don't let him build a nest in your room. And when the adversary comes after you and he usually he's accusing somebody of something. He's usually devaluing a brother in your mind. He's usually judging somebody's motive of what they're doing. And he's always building a case against somebody to get you sideways with somebody in your family, putting a stronghold in your mind about God, that God's not fair, God's not right. And listen, those darts, I mean, have you ever seen an old army movie? I'm talking about an old battle in the... You know, a thousand years ago or 1,500 years ago before there were bullets and guns when they were firing arrows. I mean, they may, they may shoot a uh, hundred arrows at you. But if you have a shield that is strong and you can get behind the shield, those arrows are not going to reach you. And you are very arrogant to get up in the morning and walk out without having talking to God and then grabbing your shield as you go out the door. Now I have found them fiery darts at throw, shooting at me before I even get out of bed. I mean, I'm awake and I'm already thinking about something and it's already trying to discourage me about something. And I said, Lord, this ain't right. This ain't you. And so you have to hold up the shield of faith. What is that? You know, the Bible says over in the book of Second. In Corinthians, it talks about how that our weapons are not carnal. So there is not a literal shield that I can hold up. But I do have the Word of God and I have His promises. I have His faithfulness. I do have the truth. And when you talk about faith, it means, Lord, I don't feel, but I believe. I don't see, but I believe. I don't even understand, but I believe. And Lord, I may not even agree, but I submit and I believe. And you hold that up to be able to quench the fiery darts of the wicked one. Because you're going to have to bring every thought under subjection. You're not allowed to let just one. Not one. Not even one. You're going to have to be like a guy that's got a sleigh and he's got about, he's got five pairs of dogs in front of him as he is, they are pulling him through the snow. He's got to have every one of those dogs that doing what they're supposed to do in order for him to advance. Because if one of them gets loose or one of them gets out of line, it affects all of them. 
And when you've got one thought that you're not controlling, and it's not harnessed, it's going to affect the rest of them. And you must control your thought life. You must. Do you understand? If you're going to have a better year for 2024, it's going to have to start right up here. Number one, it starts going in that direction. But then you're going to have to hold up the shield of faith, he says, above all, above all, above all. The shield of faith. You understand? Those are priorities, resetting that. I've got to have some faith in God. Because sometimes life just hurts. And sometimes it stinks. And sometimes it doesn't make any sense. And sometimes it looks like your faithfulness has been in vain. That's what Psalm 73 says. I have washed my hands, you know, in vain. I've done right, Lord, in vain. But he said, until I went to the house of the Lord. He said, man, I've been talking like a beast. What's the matter with me? What I've been thinking like this? God, what's the matter with me? That's why you need to hold up that shield of faith. All right, look in 1 Peter. By the way, it'd be good if you had some people in your life that also walk around with that shield. And if you, if you forgot your shield, get behind theirs. 1 Peter chapter 4. And look with me now in verse number 8. First of all, prayer. That's your relationship with God. Maintain it. Above all, your shield of faith. That's your relationship with the devil. Keep that shield up. Keep it up. Chapter 4, verse number 8. The Bible says, and above all things. That's on the top shelf. Above all things. Have fervent charity among yourselves, for charity shall cover the multitude of sins. This has to do with your relationship with one another. One is your relationship in that direction with God. That's your prayer talking to God. The other one has to do with the devil. The other one has to do with your brother. It is you loving your brother. As a matter of fact, this is repeated in Colossians 3.14. He says, above all things, above all these things, put on charity. I am commanded to do this. Jesus said, if you love me, basically, and I'm paraphrasing, if you love me, obey me. And he said, uh, love your brother. This is how people will know. This is how we know that God is beginning to advance you. Because now you're, getting, you're beginning to love people even when they don't love you back. That you're not basing your responses in your relationship based on their behavior, but upon your relationship with God. Do you understand the difference here? Love can love without love being returned. Godly love can love without love being returned. Paul said, the more I love you, the less I'm loved. He says, above all things, I'm commanded to do this. And I am compelled to do this. Constrained. The love of Christ constrains me to do this. The Holy Ghost constrains me to do this. For if I am to have the peace of God, I've got to love you. I have to. But also I want to. I don't want to just do it out of duty. I want to do it out of devotion to God and because I do love you. And I am choosing to do so. <coughs> Excuse me. So I want to encourage you. No matter how spiritually gifted you are, you may be the most spiritually gifted person in this room and not be as profitable to us 
as the least gifted person in this room, but that person knows how to love us. Do you understand? Because love does a whole lot more than your spiritual gifts used in a selfish manner and in a bad spirit. So please understand this about the love of God. This has to do with my relationship with you. Ask God to, can the love of God improve in you? Can it increase in you? Can it grow in you? I think so. I think when you got saved, the Holy Ghost deposited some into you. And I think that the more He breaks down the barriers of self and self-will, I think more of it starts leaking out. And the more that we see of the love of God in you toward others. Amen. And then I want you to look in James chapter 5 with me, please. One more. James chapter 5. James chapter number 5. You need to sometimes just reboot. You ever sometimes your phone acts a little quirky, so you just shut it off, turn it back on, and then it's working again? Sometimes you have to do that with your computer. Sometimes you have to do that with an automobile, not working right. You have to take the battery cable off and reset everything, put it back on. It all starts working again. But you know, sometimes you've got to reevaluate yourself and kind of look at your life and say, hey, how am I doing on my priorities? Every day you need to prioritize certain things. Everybody has 24 hours. Everybody. No one has more time than the other person. You need to take time to talk to God. By the way, you ought to make it something that you do throughout the day. But in the morning, take some time specifically and talk to Him. You'll find if you talk to Him early in the morning, you'll find it easier to talk to Him through the day. Because you'll want to. and You'll feel that need to as you go through the day. I think when you talk to Him in private, you'll be like Nehemiah when he poured his heart out to God in chapter number 1. And then he stood before the king publicly. He could call on God just like that. Because he had talked to him in private. In other words, the Lord didn't say, now who is this? The Lord knew who that was because they'd been talking earlier. Amen? And so talk to him. And then realize that you have a literal, vicious, vile, wicked, consistent enemy that absolutely despises and hates you. Hates your family, hates anything about you that's godly, hates anything about you that's good and profitable for the work of God. And he's after it, to destroy it, to rob you of your joy, your peace of mind, put thoughts in your mind that are wicked and ungodly, and especially toward the brethren. He is an accuser of the brethren, and especially toward God, that God is not faithful and God is not fair. And above all things, you need to love one another. You need to love each other. And that is a command. All right, look in chapter 5, verse number 12. Now, let's talk about thyself. Chapter 5, verse number 12. Let's talk about you. Didn't Paul tell Timothy three times? He mentioned the word thyself. 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 He says in verse number 12, he says, but above all things... Above all things, that's up on the top shelf again, Brother Walker. Above all things, my brethren, swear not, neither by heaven, neither by the earth, neither by any other oath, but let your yea be yea and your nay be nay, 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 lest you fall into condemnation. So what is that? What's the principle there? The principle there is integrity. Integrity. Virtue. 
an excellent spirit. Look over in 1 John and I'll show you what this will do for you. How it will help you personally. Okay, this has to do with your relationship with you. Because you do have to live with you. Even if you don't like you, you've got to live with you. But I hope that you do learn to understand that um, the adversary is also out to accuse you sometimes of some things that are not true. Beat you down in areas that you are not guilty of. Accuse you of things. And always robbing you of your position mentally and positionally in Christ. First John chapter number 3. Notice this. It circles back to number 1. Because if you don't get that integrity down. Because what it does, it produces in you a strong and a godly conscience. Which produces confidence before God. And you've got to have that. You've got to have this. You're going to butt heads with people who deny truth, reality, and the presence of sin in their lives. You better be right. You better be sure of yourself. You better be confident that you are right. With God and in your heart, the Bible says in chapter 3, look at this, verse 20. He said, for if our, if our heart condemn us, and by the way, if you have a strong conscience, your heart will. Can't get away with it. That's right, can't get away with it. Give me a person who's sensitive to God. That's a person I can walk with and work with, whose heart is troubled when they get sideways with God. He says, for if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart and knoweth all things. So if I'm a man of integrity and I'm honest and I'm transparent and I'm willing to be held accountable, my yes means yes and my no means no. I say what I mean and I mean what I say. And he said that that, my friend, is you being true to you. And that's going to protect you from being self-deceived. You being honest, being willing to be held accountable, willing to be challenged. And even David said, judge me, Lord, for I have walked in mine integrity. Examine me, God. If there's something between me and you, it goes all the way back to number one while you're talking to God and say, Lord, if there's anything between me and you, Lord, if you'll show it to me, I'll fix it. But by the way, don't depend on him all the time to show it to you. You look for it yourself. Because there are some things that are pretty obvious if you've got a conscience. But if you're not sure, because sometimes when you get crossways with somebody or there's somebody challenging you on something, sometimes you're not sure and you want to make sure that you're right. Lord, am I, am I right doctrinally? Lord, did I, did I, am I in the right spirit about this? God, have I done anything unseemly in this matter? Lord, I want to be right. The Bible says here, verse number 20, If our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart and knoweth all things. Beloved, if our heart condemn us not. Now listen, here's why integrity is so important, Brother Lauren and Brother Peyton. Because there's people that do things that are wrong and say their heart doesn't bother them. And they'll say, well, it doesn't bother me to do that. I don't know why it's bothering you. My heart doesn't condemn me for doing that, but it's a clear violation of the Word of God. 
So how do we determine what is right and what is wrong if there is no absolute authority? But a man of integrity is willing to be held accountable to authority and to accuracy and to someone having a level of right and what's wrong. We can't all be guided just by what we think is right and what we think is wrong. Uh, We'll be like those in the book of Judges. We'll just do that which is right in our own eyes. The Bible says here, look what he says in verse 21. Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, then have we confidence toward God. You know what I want you to have this year? Is confidence toward God. And whatsoever we ask, we receive of Him because we keep His commandments. Now you're talking to God again, aren't you? You see, you were talking to yourself. Because you're saying, okay, my heart's clean. I'm okay. As far as I know, I've confessed everything. As far as I know, I'm right this direction and I'm right this direction. So, Lord, I'm coming before you. See how all this fits in together? He says, now I'm coming. He said, because we keep His commandments. Okay, that is me loving you. And do those things that are pleasing in His sight. This is His commandment that we should believe on the name of His Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another. As he gave us commandment. Quickly, let's go back to our text over in 1 Timothy real quick. And I'll show you again why he told him uh, these things. 1 Timothy. I believe it's in 1 Timothy that I'm looking for. Yes, it is. Prioritize, reset some things in your life. The first one has to do with you talking to God. Second of all is you taking up the shield of faith. Number three is you loving each other. Number four is you walking with a clear conscience with integrity. 1 Timothy chapter 1, look what he says right here in verse number 5. He said, now the end of the commandment, the end of the commandment, our goal, our development, that will make us profitable, that will make us usable, That will help us to save others. The end of the commandment is charity. Out of a pure heart. That's integrity. There's love. There's integrity. And of a good conscience. You see that? That's confidence. A good conscience produces confidence. In the fear of the Lord, there is strong confidence. And the faith unfeigned. There's that shield. There's all of them right there. And it will make you profitable for the kingdom of God. Listen, you don't have to be a super saint. These are what God wants us to have as priorities in our life, that we might seek the kingdom of God first and love Him first. All right, now let's take a self-test. Close your Bibles. Close your eyes. No, I'm just kidding. Let's take a self-test. What's the first thing you do when you get up in the morning? Raise your hand if you know. What is it, Miss Barbie? Pray and talk to God. Talk to God. Now, before you, before, you, before you have to deal with anybody and everything, what's the next thing you do? Hold up what? The shield of faith. The shield of faith. You need to understand, the darts are coming. 
They're going to come sometime during the day. Pick that shield nearby. What's the third thing you do when you have the opportunity? Love my brother. What I'd ask you to do is look for an opportunity to love on somebody. I've asked God sometimes at the house, I'd say, Lord, how can I be a blessing to somebody today? What can I do right now that'll be a blessing and encouragement to somebody? Ask Him. And, and listen, if you guess wrong, God will forgive you for being a blessing. Amen? Work on it. What's the fourth thing? Integrity. Be honest, be clean, be sincere. People will love you and respect you. They don't expect perfection out of you. They do expect honesty out of you. And transparency. And accountability. Out of you. Amen? Alright, let's bow our heads. Father in heaven, I pray in the name of Jesus Christ in our hearts, by the grace of God, that, Lord, that we might be overcomers this year. Not, and, Lord, not only saving ourselves, but to save others. That we might become profitable to the kingdom. That you could use us and place us anywhere to be a blessing to others. In Jesus' name, amen.